right, welcome in, y'all. Welcome to official episode one of Real Talk by the Platform. I am so excited to finally kick this off. We're having such a great time already. Um, Real quick, before we go into the main interview segment, I want to shout out our merch, Revival Threads Company. It's already selling a little bit, but, you know, we could always use some more sales because that helps us out a lot. And also, it's just dope merch. The sweatshirts, I've seen them. I've got one ordered and it's coming in. They're the softest things you could imagine. Um, I'd also like to provide just a little trigger warning for this episode. We're going to discuss sexual sin and abuse a little bit, so just be mindful of that. But anyways, before we get into it, I would like to open with the word of God. And this is a reading from Isaiah. Seek the Lord, excuse me, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely forgive. The Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I sent to do. So anyways, our theme for today is just one word, it's why, right? And I think that passage is a great way to kick us off. We're going to do some just little get to know you questions real quick so we can get acquainted with you and your character so big or small town uh i'm from a small town okay what do you prefer city or small town i'd say it's more of a small town little country area okay cool 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 would you like to go back nah brian <laughs> mm, mm, it, i mean it's a little bit of one of those things like you know everybody there so i mean stepping away from a small town it's kind of like a you know awakening right i understand i understand how old are you I am 19. All right, 19 years old. Hey, that's how old I am. Sweet. <laughs> so right now, I'm just going to give you the platform to tell your story. This is an open floor. We'll we'll make it a little bit conversational, but it's all up to you now. Perfect, perfect. Um, So I kind of grew up a lot around sexual sin. It was kind of brought into my life at the beginning of birth, really. Um, my bio parents, I don't know a lot about them. They didn't seem to really care much about me or my bio sister. So to get into it, no, my bio dad did not care about us. And I know that my bio mother definitely tried to fight for us, definitely wanted something there with us. Um, I know she was going through a lot of pain and that brought a lot of sexual sin into her life. She needed, you know, things to kill the pain to it. And it was things that weren't from God it was a lot more things you know and with that she would sell herself uh she had spina bifida it's a pain in the lower back um it causes you know issues walking issues you can be paralyzed down below um and so she sold herself to men pretty much um what's the word I'm looking for uh prostitution Mm -hmm. and she that was that was her way of coping with the pain. Um, How old were you when you became aware of this? So I was actually, when I first found out that this is the things that was happening, um, I was around the age of seventeen. I don't think okay. it was, I don't think it was a thing my adopted mother ever wanted me to actually mm-hmm. know because 
I mean, that can be a traumatizing right. thing to hear. So this is like a recent revelation. Uh, yes. Okay, but it informs your story nonetheless. It, it's the it's the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, you know, I I lived a healthy life. There was a lot of good things in my life. There wasn't anything that was ever like you know I wasn't just always surrounded by traumatizing things. You know, mm-hmm. it how was, old were you when you were adopted? I Sorry was, to cut in there. No, you're all good. You're all good. Um, I was actually adopted. I'm. Sh- pretty sure at the age of two so i'm i don't think i would so i mean it's one of those things i don't think i remember anything before Mm -hmm. the age of two it's it's i mean it's a pretty you're pretty young you're a baby it's not like you're gonna know much um so like i said i got adopted around two um and i was in a great family i personally believe you know everyone has their problems everyone sins and Mm -hmm. you know so there was my adopted dad and my adopted mother Um, my adopted dad was definitely living a huge double life and that would come soon to be and or like introduced into to really everyone in my family Mm -hmm. were Um, you aware you were adopted throughout your childhood oh yeah yeah okay so it wasn't ever like a big secret or anything 100 percent, because like i mean the amount of kids that were coming through it's 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 a common thing like and it's like you just see these kids come in and then you see them leave and it's it's a pattern and you know some stay so they become your forever brother and sister and you know so your parents were a foster uh, home? yes okay a foster home um so a lot of kids came and came and gone and i'm honestly glad with the brothers and sisters i have now because bonds were definitely created mm-hmm. definitely someone being the second oldest definitely someone that the kids can look up to mm-hmm. um so with that all of my family grew up as Catholics. All of us were Catholics. We went to a small little church town. Um, and with that, Catholic, cat, Catholicism or Catholicism. Catholicism. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's really traditional. And I didn't really find that I learned a lot in that. And so, but I grew up as an altar server. Um, I mm. was constantly involved in the church, doing everything a part of, as a part of the church. Um, and like I said, I didn't really find it interesting to learn much about God. So I knew about God, Mm -hmm. but I never wanted that or never had that relationship. It wasn't that I didn't want it. It was just, it was never there. Mm -hmm. And so with that, we, like I said, we always were going to church and it was, it was, you know, every day, Sunday thing. And to kind of get a little bit farther into that, um, like I said, everything in life was good. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I was living a healthy child life. And I first was introduced at a very young age um, to pornography. Uh, my cousin, you know, he was a little bit older. He wasn't very much into the Christian type stuff. You know, everyone in my family is considered a Catholic. But I mean, you know, he wasn't always going to church like my family was. And mm-hmm. so he would, he introduced me and a couple of my relatives, um, to the idea of pornography. And so it was a constant, you know, sexual sin was bringing, being brought back into my life over right. and over and over. And I wouldn't say it was by choice. I would say it was more by, mm-hmm. you know, the devil finding a way to bring it into my right. life. How old were you when this happened? I would say I was probably around seven, eight-ish. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a pretty good age gap between, you know, being adopted and stuff like that. So that had happened. And um, 
later on down the road, everything, you know, everything was still going good and had been introduced to pornography. It wasn't one of those things where I was like, okay, now I have to find, Mm -hmm. I have to find this on, you know, some cellular, cellular device or anything like that. It was just like, I saw it and I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. And so, um, later on down the road, uh, a lot of events started happening and my mom questioned how me and my brother knew about it. Right. And so I told her, you know, I was like, you know, our cousin showed us and that's how everything got started. And as a child, you know, I absolutely love my adopted mom now. Um, I know she's been through a lot too as well, but she considered me a liar. Everything that I told her was a lie. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of the boy who cried wolf. And the only difference was, was that everything was truthful. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, I grew up being traumatized of speaking. Like it, it would, it was one of those things like, you know, made it hard for me to approach other people because I didn't want everything that I said to seem like a lie. Right. Um, and so later on down the road again, once again, um, we were at church, um, and we were at church. I should probably, actually, I should probably give you a little context before the church part. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom had went out to the store. This was just an event that happened. My mom had went out to the store and, you know, she left us with our adopted dad. This was the double life part of him. Nobody really knew until um this happened and so i we were all just you know cleaning up around the house her mom had told us to do that before she left and our dad or adopted dad told us you know he was like me and your little sister are just gonna go take a nap and so all of us kids are cleaning um making sure things are getting done and i had seen a light through the crack of the door and noticed you know i was like didn't didn't he say he was gonna do something else like take a nap and all of my siblings were like yes and so I decided to go find out for myself and when I saw what was going on it it was pretty traumatizing um so with that nobody ever really found out I think it was a period of time before the church part came um me and my family were at church me and my mom specifically I think my older sister um we were at church and my little sister was with our grandma not far from the church and when we got to the church or when we got done with church we headed to our grandma's house and my grandma grabbed my mom immediately and took her in the room and you know explained to my mom everything that my little sister had outcried mm-hmm. um and i would say this is the moment where things really really started to spike like or not spike started to spark Mm -hmm. um my mom had walked out the room very angry you could see it in her eyes you could tell from the way she was talking and immediately she looks at me and she goes you know that's not something he would do referring to my adopted dad that's something he would do referring to me Hmm. and all i could do in the moment was you know it, it was it was something that made me speechless. Like I was like, "How? Why? Why do you feel this way towards me? What did I do to, you know, take this blame?" And so that's when things really started to spike. Cops started getting involved, and CPS started coming into our lives. And it was it was a lot for us kids in general. And I think in the moment, us kids really 
didn't want to say anything because number one, no kid ever wants to lose a father. Mm. A father is, you know, yes, he was leading a double life, but at the same time, it's one of those things like. How old was, were you when this happened? I think I'm pretty sure I was 13 when okay. all this started. So just starting middle All school. the information started coming out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how many kids were in the house? Um, so I have total a total of eight siblings. So okay. I'm pretty sure all of them were with us at the time when this mm -hmm. started happening. And that's like all different ages too, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so with that, she, none of us, like I said, none of us kids wanted to lose a father. Like mm -hmm. he was our father. Yes. This had just came out and it's, it was one of those things like, you know, like I, like I've been saying, no one wants to lose a father because that's someone you admire. That's someone you look up to all the great memories that you already had mm -hmm. denying that it, it was pretty much denying the fact that whatever our little sister had told us, you know, we didn't want to acknowledge that or accept that. And it was all about, you know, having a father there. And even though I had saw it, that was my main thought. I didn't want to lose a father. And I was also afraid of speaking in general. Mm. You know, it was one of those things still in my mind. If I tell them, will they believe? And so um, CPS had got involved. He had to move out and stuff like that. And then it started getting worse down the, or down the road. More outcries started coming out. I was about 15 at the time. Um, more, yeah, 15, 10th grade around that area. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when our family, the whole family started having to split up a whole lot of issues started occurring and stuff like that. Um, I had moved in with my cousin to get away from the family and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And all of us kids were going through ter therapy and stuff like that. Um, I was, it, it started coming into my life more pornography. It was one of those things I was trying to escape, you know, the outside world and thought that pornography would somehow you know heal the gap in my heart and so little did I realize that it was only damaging me more um so I went into therapy therapy for two years um all my other family members were trying to get therapy as well uh everything started occurring to my mom more all the outcries were coming everyone and at the end of the day every one of our siblings or every one of my siblings including me had made an outcry mm. um so you know that's when the double life of our adoptive dad really started to be poured out with that being said she my mom had lost faith she was mad at god she she pulled us out of church she didn't want to be involved in the church. She didn't want any of anything to do with that. And yes, although she had that going on, I had my stuff going on. And I was at a point in my life where I was in my mom's arms crying. I failed God. Mm -hmm. And it was just a constant thing I kept saying. And I kept saying it. And um, to be 100% honest, you know, I, I'm, I'm there with the fact that, you know, God died on the cross for our sins and stuff like that. But that's still something I always go back to. It's a constant, you know, I failed God. Like, right. I, I can't. That personal experience. Yeah. I can't, keep I can't, yeah, I can't accept the fact that, you know, you know, even though if I do sin, you know, it's already been paid for. The debt right. is paid for. It's, it's, it's just hard to accept that. Right. Yeah. And so, um, everything started coming out, all the outcries, everything like that. And I, 
you know, was in a bad place in my life and nothing was going the way I wanted it. I was in a moment where I was constantly praying to God about things I wanted. It wasn't giving any praise or anything like that. It was just say, God, I want this. God, give me that. Why, God, why are you taking this away from mm-hmm. me? God, like a lottery ticket yeah, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept asking and asking and asking. And I felt as if I wasn't being heard. It was silence. Like, mm. you know. You felt like you did when you were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he, I realized later down the line that he was actually listening. You know, um, everything was going wrong. And then out of nowhere, everything started going right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it all started coming like everything I'd asked for out of nowhere yeah, it was a, it was a random like you know I got back into my old school I was back involved in football all my friends were back all my family was all back together everyone was back together and things were actually starting to go well mm-hmm. um, so you felt heard yeah I, I felt heard Um, and I was like you know this doesn't make sense you know you know there has to be someone there listening god has to be there right like i said i was at that moment where i felt like god wasn't there like he wasn't real and then everything started coming and it was like no there's no way that all this just randomly happens right and so um everyone else was still at a you know low point in their life my mom was still upset with god and she you know still kept us out of church um i had after I graduated in May 2022, um, she, or no, not she, I had to go leap year. I decided, you know, it was time to just like try to catch up in life, you know, get back around my family, mm-hmm. you know, help build the family back together. You said you're the second oldest. So yeah. did you feel some responsibility towards your family, especially being a man? Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was a big, big one. Um, especially knowing, you know, after finding out the double life, it wasn't one of the, you know, I knew what he did or one thing that he did and what he had did to me, but I didn't know everything else that right. he had also done. So coming with that, being the second, the oldest male in the mm-hmm. house, it was definitely one of those things. Like I was like, okay, I have to take over the household now. I have to take mm-hmm. care of this. I have to take care of that. And that was a struggle, of course, but, you know, I made I made sure to, to live up to that standards and something that also um, helped or made me want to live up to that standard even more was my name actually stands for protector in biblical meaning. Mm-hmm. And so that became a real, I wanted that, I wanted mm-hmm. to be that protector. That on. And so that was a goal of mine. So I took that leap year to catch up, to get a job, get some money, get things going, you know. Um, my family had always been pretty much supported by him, but then we also were supported by government, except mm-hmm. stuff like that because of foster care and stuff like that. Um, so I took that leap year, and I was like, you know, it's time for college. I have free college. Why not take that chance? Because mm-hmm. adopted and, yeah, children get free adopted, college in yes. Texas. Uh, it's a texas waiver mm-hmm. texas fee stuff like that and then fast fast yeah yeah fast. <laughs> that thing we have to fill out every yeah year. Pr- pretty much <laughs> um so i went to or you know started getting involved in a lot of texas tech group chats and stuff like that you know went through a couple of toxic relationships won't lie but i'll i'll definitely say that those things definitely prepared me what what for for what was to come um, made a lot of good friends, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I got to Texas Tech and I was immediately followed on Instagram by a whole bunch of like religious like stuff like or like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was Instagram accounts from this church that I go to. Right. And uh, which pretty important detail you walked on for football, right? Uh, it's a plan to I, okay. I haven't walked on yet. It's, okay. a, it's definitely a plan to um, especially with the fact that people look at me and they're like, are you a D1 track runner or are you D1? And it's, <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's like, it's, it kind of motivates you. It's like, mm-hmm, oh yeah, yeah. I, I want to take that chance now though, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but after all it is God's plan, I'm right. not going to, you know, chase my plans. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, uh, people started reaching out or I was like, you know, what are these teams following me? And I was like, so I started reaching out to them, DMing people, and I, next thing you know, I get introduced to one person. That person introduces me to another person, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's a constant pattern. And now I'm with an amazing community group, like from from this church. Um, but my biggest thing was is I never expected to actually be back in the church, right? Um, you know, and that's another thing I was like, this isn't just randomly happening. Mm-hmm. This is definitely you know Jesus, God, making something happen. And so I started getting involved in started getting involved in church and stuff like that. Um, started involving myself in the like retreats that they had and stuff like that. Um, recently went to New Mexico, uh, made it even more friends from that. You know, found God even more. Um, and something that happened was the first time I was in that church was, and something that I commonly hear just talking to people was the first time they stepped in that church. It was like they felt like something. Mm-hmm was grabbing them like your body goes into shock like it's chilly like cold and stuff like that right but it's not a bad chilly yeah. cold it's a it's different it, yeah mm-hmm. it feels different and so i got involved in the church again and something i noticed was i started turning back to the world you know mm-hmm. the testimony never ends and you a lot of things start going wrong and you know you just got to know who to turn to right. and so um i started turning to things of the world you know um, was still involved in a weird situationship and stuff like that was, you know, ended up at parties, mm-hmm. ended up um, drinking, turning to the things of the world instead of trying to find God. And I, you know, I was turning to these things and then found myself back involved in pornography after being two years free, was back into that cycle again. And, you know, was afraid to say anything and still afraid to say oh well i mean it's definitely a scary situation to speak on Mm -hmm. but something i noticed was how open everyone in the church was about Mm -hmm. you know i would say what brought a lot of like what scared me the most was growing up as a catholic it's so traditional one and i'm not trying to make this political or, or anything like that growing but, up in the church you yeah exactly to. growing up in the church i went to it it, it seemed like you had to be so perfect mm-hmm. and coming into this that that's what scared me you know being able to speak up about right. pornography but coming into the church here it was like every christian was like including you know women they weren't afraid to say it either they were mm-hmm. they spoke up about their addictions and stuff like that and I didn't feel alone anymore in the community. I feel like, you know, people know now and people are there to help you get through it. And it's just an ongoing story. I've now found that, or I've now found, been closer, feel like I'm closer to God 
Mm-hmm. Um, I find I'm at I'm at church every weekend. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I read my Bible more often and stuff like that. And you know, I'm not just saying all these good things because at the end of the day, you know, none of the deeds you do are what gets you to heaven or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's being able to acknowledge the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that you are saved. And mm-hmm. that's something I strictly live by. You know, I find that pretty much to finish it off, you know, that I live not by the religion, not by anything like that, but by the relationship I have with Christ. And I feel like that's what gets me through my everyday life. And yeah. and I feel like, you know, my story helps others develop mm. as people as well. So, so would you say that now going to church, you know God more instead of just knowing about him? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think I think community as well is what helped me learn a little bit more about him. I find that it's more, it's a lot more fun to learn about God, mm-hmm. and the church I go to now. The church I went to back then was a lot of, you know, Catholics. You know, they it's pretty much the same in mass a lot. It's yeah, there was a it's calendar. A, it's yeah, it's pretty much the yeah. same thing a lot, which if, has its benefits. I yeah, do, it, I do enjoy it does. some cycle, it, but it does. Um, I understand how, as a kid, and in oh, yeah. context, it could be oh, really yeah. hard. Hundred percent. But you know, the way they teach here, it's like it's something new every week. It relates mm-hmm. to us college students. You know, mm-hmm. a topic we actually are going over right now is who or. I think it's like who wrote the book or like something mm-hmm. like that. It's pretty much talking about the Bible and stuff like that and why we should be able to believe it and stuff like that. Ooh. So, and last um, topic was, you know, relationships, mm-hmm. sexual things like that. So, you know, being a college student, that's like something right. you you want to be able to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, so you found a community that cares about your needs. Oh, yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Awesome. How do you think right now living with this group of friends has that like increased count- accountability for you more? I would say it definitely increased account- accountability. Uh, accountability. I do say, or I don't. I don't think this is always a bad thing, but I do think I try to live up to standards that you know are good standards. Right. But in a way, it changes who I am, and I'm not realizing, you know that I will mess up. I'm right. I'm so focused on trying to be too perfect. So you struggle to give yourself grace. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. So, I think a good bit of your story here is learning to trust others is number 1 and I feel mm-hmm. like through this church group that you've met, have you learned just a little bit more how to open up? Uh I would say so. I I definitely feel that way. I feel like, you know, I can go to these people anytime. It's not like mm-hmm. when I tell them another thing growing up as a Catholic, you know, you go into a room, you go in, you know, you can't see the priest or anything like that, but you're in there like just telling him all these things and you're like, I don't really know the priest that well and how is he gonna right. I mean, is he gonna judge me or anything? And you know, as Christians we're called not to judge, but you know, mm-hmm. it happens. You know, you don't wanna just go in there it and happens walk in, in all churches. Yeah, you don't wanna walk in and be like I watch pornography and, you know, you don't know how they're going to react to that. And mm-hmm. it's like coming to this Christian group, it's like, guys, I messed up. I fell into sexual sin again. I fell into lust. And they're like, we'll pray for you. Let's get you mm-hmm. through this. And, you know, I feel safe. I feel mm-hmm. like God is working through them to help me. Okay, sweet. So thank you so much for sharing. Of um, course, of course. Your story is going to make people feel a little bit less alone. And I know people are going to be grateful for that. Thank you so much for being our first guest. Thank you for coming to a campus unfamiliar to yourself. Oh, yeah. 
um, that it's always excited to excited to all right sweet we're gonna move to a little outro bit now gonna read our second scripture so a theme i've noticed right now like william said your testimony is never ending which i think is like a brilliant tagline that we need to use more often but i've also just thought about god's will be done not mine and so a passage that came to me admittedly at like 2 a.m last night is in romans and it says and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and while i see one hearing william's story is an authentic picture of someone who came from a broken place being conformed to the image of god thank you so much uh buy our merch please and we will get back to you soon <laughs>